This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about unacknowledged spatial access programs. That's correct, unacknowledged spatial access programs. They're also known as waived spatial access programs or just SAPs. The definition we find is here from cleardconnections.com, and it says an unacknowledged spatial access program or SAP to which access is extremely limited in accordance with the statutory authority of the Section 119E of 10 United States Code USC, reference B. The unacknowledged SAP protections also apply to waived SAPs. Only the chairman, senior minority member, and by agreement, their staff directors of the four congressional defense committees normally have access to program material. That sounds like some pretty secretive stuff to me. What could go wrong? Now, if we look at what kind of effect this is having on our government, we could go no further than the drive.com. This article is called Spatial Access Programs and the Pentagon's Ecosystem of Secrecy. The article is by Tim McMillan and Tyler Rogaway, and it's dated December 1st, 2019. The title says, Spatial Access Programs and the Pentagon's Ecosystem of Secrecy. We shed light on the dark realm of the Department of Defense's often misunderstood classified apparatus in this comprehensive explainer. I'm going to go through and look at some of these highlights here. It's important because just recently we learned that the Pentagon is missing, I believe they said that, trillion and a half dollars one and a half trillion dollars so what's that figure out to like fifteen thousand dollars per taxpayer or something uh, you know it was just before 9-11 i think that rumsfeld announced that they were missing around two trillion interesting have to wonder what that money went to I, I i'm not sure you could just lose it unless maybe they bought some ftx stock i don't know it says here to a lot of people terms like black budget or black projects inspire dark imagery of government figures operating in contrast to the principles of a free and open society. Indeed, with tens of billions set aside every year for classified Pentagon programs and operations, it would be reckless of the public not to be willing to question that which they pay for, but lack the privilege of knowing anything about it. Inherently enigmatic and often grossly misunderstood, the war zones set out to shed light on the obscure processes that are involved in maintaining the highly intricate ecosystem that works to guard the Pentagon's most closely held secrets. It says, for the, beginning, for the better part of the last 25 years, the manner in which the U.S. government safeguards and restricts access of highly classified information is through a set of compartmentalization protocols termed spatial access programs. Thanks to the government's love affair with condensing words, most people are likely familiar with this formalized system of security's acronym SAP. Now, now we see this happen all the time uh, with UFO phenomenon. You're trying to, if we see people uh, making FOIA requests involving uh, UFO investigations, UFO crashes, and invariably it seems like it leads to a dead end because invariably it leads to one of these special access programs that are outside the reaches of the FOIA request. 
It says, for most of us stuck on the outside trying to get an idea of what's inside, the term special access program is often misunderstood as being itself a classification level. In truth, SAPs are merely a set of security protocols limiting access of sensitive information to only authorized and necessary individuals. Cue the cliche. That information is need to know, and you don't have a need to know. You know, there's a story out there that Jimmy Carter tried to access, uh, I believe it was files on the Kennedy assassination, possibly, through the CIA. And at that time, George Bush Sr. was the head of that organization, and he was given this line. That information is need to know, and you don't have a need to know. Not sure if that's true, but boy, it's, it rings true. Now, before one can gain a real appreciation for how spatial access programs operate, like any scholar of history will tell you, to understand the present, must one must first appreciate the past. And then it goes on here, it says, The early origins of spatial access programs can be traced to March 22, 1940, when President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed Executive Order 8381, creating for the first time three security designations for America's most crucial information, restricted, confidential, and secret. In the ensuing years, various presidential executive orders have tweaked how the government designates classified information. The current levels of classification are confidential, secret, and top secret. The determining factor for how information is classified depends on how much damage an unauthorized disclosure would reasonably be expected to cause. So you can see how, how easy it is for the government or really any person or group of people inside the government to just corral speech and say, no, you don't have access to that because it could hurt us down the road. This is just, it's, it's just a wide open license for bureaucrats to trample free speech and for bureaucrats to, tra to trample the free flow of information. It goes on, it says, important to note, established through the Atomic Energy Act of 1954, the Department of Energy uses two differing equivalent levels of security clearance, Q clearance and L clearance. For clarity's sake, at times misrepresented by the entertainment industry, a Yankee White clearance is not an actual security clearance. Yankee White is an administrative nickname for the background check performed for persons who will work within close proximity to the president or vice president. According to Department of Defense instructions, to obtain a Yankee White clearance, one must pass the same single-scope background investigation necessary for a top-secret clearance and establish unquestionable loyalty to the United States. Within the world of SAPs, a program can involve information from any one of these official classification levels. Further adding to the confusion, in many cases, a single special access program will contain multiple components, each with differing classification levels. So it's just like a it's just like a collection of Chinese boxes. You know, one fits inside of another. If they don't want you to see the information, you're just not going to see it. The incredulous mystique surrounding SAPs likely comes from the unofficial and ad hoc nature of their origins. In 1953, when President Dwight D. Eisenhower issued Executive, Off Executive Order 10501, he eliminated classification authority from 28 government entities, limiting only departments and agencies for the executive branch the ability to classify materials. More importantly, President Eisenhower's directive removed the previously approved restricted designation. <clears throat> wow, I just wish we could, have had, we could have had eight more years of Ike. What a guy. Up to this point, restricted classification functioned as a means of limiting certain information from people who may indeed have held an active security clearance. However, they didn't have a need to know. So in other words, you could have, passed, you could have already passed 
all the security background checks. But if someone within that little group didn't want you to know, well, then you just weren't going to know. In light of being given a formal order by the commander-in-chief, some departments within the Pentagon weren't all that keen on being unable to limit access to their secrets. See this? The chief, the commander-in-chief gives an order, but the subordinates, they just laugh at him and ignore him. We saw this happen with Trump repeatedly. He'd give an order, they tell him to go pound sand. So unless, as a president, you're willing to enforce this and start putting people in prison or firing them for insubordination, there's no point in giving them, giving them the order. In response, many agencies begin to unofficially use spatial access, albeit with no official authority. These informal spatial access classifications would allow for the continuance of closely guarded, tight-knit programs to be hidden within the government. In other words, they could blow all the money they wanted to blow. They could cause all the havoc they wanted to cause. They could commit crimes upon the American people, and you would never find out because it was all hidden within a spatial access department. Now, it's hard to argue that the flagrant rejection of national directives wasn't a recipe for disaster waiting to happen. In fact, it's likely, no, conf no coincidence, some of the darkest times in the government's secrecy went on during these unofficial spatial access years. For example, the CIA's infamous project MKUltra began in 1953 and remained active until 1973. Now, 20 years of doing all kinds of terrible uh, psychological and psychiatric abuse to people in order to... Uh, further the, the program of mind control. That's what MKUltra is. Terrible, terrible program. Coincidentally, 1973 was the same year that during an oversight hearing, a report by the Committee on Government Operations brought to light the dozens of unauthorized special access distribution control labels, stamps, or markings were being used by many executive agencies having classification authority and dozens of other agencies who do not possess such authority. So in other words, they were just running wild keeping secrets when they had no right to keep those secrets. In all fairness, by the time of their discovery, the precedent of unofficial spatial access programs was primarily a moot point. Either intentionally or by ironic happenstance, three months prior to five men being caught breaking into the Democratic Party headquarters of the Watergate complex in Washington, D.C., on March 8, 1972, President Richard Nixon signed Executive Order 11652, legitimizing and establishing the overall framework for what would eventually become the spatial access program of the day. So one of our very best presidents, Dwight Eisenhower, tries to put handcuffs on these guys and restrain them. And one of our very worst presidents, Richard Nixon, turns them loose, just snakes out of a barrel. Goes on here, it says, still not thoroughly having worked the kinks out, according to the Center for Development of Security Excellence, special access programs training courses from the early 1970s to 80s, SAPs referenced, referenced even within the government as black programs, were almost exclusively restricted to safeguarding DOD acquisition programs. In fact, the existence of black programs wasn't publicly known until the mid-1980s, when the controversial Project Yellow Fruit unceremoniously thrust government secrecy programs into the limelight. By the 1990s, these enigmatic workshops shed the black program moniker, opting to go by the more contemporary familiar spatial access program. Doesn't spatial access program sound so much better than black program? Of course, I kind of like the acronym SAP. Because you've got to kind of be a sap to go along with this. In addition to the more dexterously sleek title 
Intelligence operations and support programs were added to the SAP repertoire, establishing the spatial access program regime we've come to know today. When considering the term spatial access program, typically people envision one of the three categories that go within the Department of Defense as outlined by DOD 5205.07. Acquisition, intelligence, and operations and support, breaking these categories down to gain a sense of what they entail. Then it goes on here, it says acquisition SAPs. These are programs that involve research, development, testing, modification, evaluation, or procurement of new technologies. It makes up about 75 to 80% of all DOD SAPs. Bullseye. This is what we're talking about with Tom DeLong saying that they had metamaterial from UFO crashes. This is what we're talking about when, when people like Louis Elizondo will tell you that they know things but they can't tell you. They've got all of this UFO knowledge that they have bound up into these SAP programs, and there will never, ever, ever be disclosure outside of a limited hangout. Please understand that. Intelligence SAPs, planning and execution of especially sensitive intelligence or counterintelligence operations. Yeah, and if they really want to hide the UFO stuff, they just say that it involves uh, intelligence that could hurt the U.S. Like when they took the pictures of the UFOs with, with those high-powered radar cameras. Nope, you can't have those. You can't see the pictures of the UFOs that we've got because if you did, then the Chinese would know that we have a radar that is uh, generations beyond what they have. Operations and support SAPs, planning, implementation, and supportive, and support of sensitive military activities. And you see, this is where all the research and the UFO phenomena is headed to. They're putting it all toward the military. It says, it's important to note, though, the DOD's three main categories are the most well-known. Special access programs are inherently just a procedure within the government. In fact, there are many other categories of SAPs that go on outside the DOD. For example, the Secret Service Presidential Travel Support Detail is technically an SAP. Additionally, within the intelligence services, these similar sets of protocols are termed sensitive compartmented information. SCI, and not special access programs. In other words, we're going to bury this stuff so deep, you won't even know where to send a FOIA request. And if a FOIA request gets there by mistake, we're going to tell you that it's somewhere else. Additionally, separate from an objective category, all special access programs fall under one of the two distinctive protection levels, acknowledged and unacknowledged. So they've got this stuff codified. It's in the law. Acknowledged and unacknowledged. You want to know where the $3.5 trillion is at that the Defense Department's been missing for the last 20 years? Well, have a look. Acknowledged and unacknowledged. Why not, just have the, why not just have the courage to come out and tell us that you spent it and you're not going to acknowledge to us where you spent it? Acknowledged SAPs. Programs that's existence and purpose can be openly recognized, but acknowledged SAPs, typically only intimate details such as technologies, materials, or techniques are kept secret. Funding for acknowledged, for acknowledged SAPs is mostly classified and can be readily seen in the government's fiscal budget. With its existence well known, yet its inner details still remain mysterious. Northrop Grumman's B-21 Raider is an, is an excellent example of an acknowledged spatial access program actively going on today. On the other end of the spectrum, serving as the inspiration for much spy fiction or conspiracy theories, got to get that word in there, of secret space forces, there is the unacknowledged SAP. Alright, so far a pretty good article, but listen, they're telling you that they're spending billions and billions of dollars 
that they're doing it because they have the authority under the United States Code to do it, okay? They're telling you that they're not going to tell you where it's, what's being spent on, where it's being spent at, or how much they're spending. That's not a theory. It's in your face. Now, what they're conspiring to do, we have no idea. They're telling you, we're conspiring to do certain things. Whether it's to find out information, whether it's to spy on people, maybe you, whether it's to reverse engineer spacecraft, we don't have to tell you any of it. But you will pay for it. That's not a theory, but that is a conspiracy. Acknowledge the SAPs or USAPs, the shy sibling of the SAP family, when SAP is designated as unacknowledged. Not only is the program's purpose carefully guarded, as the name implies, USAP's mere existence may be denied to everyone but a spare few who aren't a part of the program. Given their shadowy presence, it could come as no surprise it should come as no surprise that funding for unacknowledged SAPs is either classified or is intentionally hidden within the federal budget. Well, look what happened. They brought out that tiny little itsy-bitsy, nearly insignificant program, ATIP. When they brought that out as what I believe was a limited hangout, nobody wanted to admit that uh, Louis Elizondo was part of the team. He, he was just like this orphan child. Until finally, I guess, they all got, they all got the message... No, 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 no. Louis with us. He's 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 got this limited hangout thing going on here. Go ahead, go ahead, bring it out. And then finally, we figure out that oh, okay, this was this is because this whole secretive, uh, funded in secret, this whole thing that all this research being done in the dark was such a strange and foreign concept to most people that they couldn't accept it. But that's just how our government government seems to run. It goes on and says, an example of an, un, of an unacknowledged SAP would be the RQ-170 before it was officially disclosed to the public. In rare instances, when information is considered to be one of the most extremely sensitive in nature, the Secretary of Defense can formally exempt a program from federal f- reporting requirements and establish the pinnacle of the secrecy, the waived unacknowledged SAP. <laughs> so there you go. You've got the unacknowledged SAP, and then you've got the waived unacknowledged SAP. Almost like a license to kill, isn't it? Due to the ultra-sensitive, secretive nature, unacknowledged or waived unacknowledged SAPs serve as fertile breeding grounds for conspiracies of hidden crashed UFOs, technology, or veiled government carve-outs whereby the the general public's benefit is an afterthought. There's the word conspiracy again. As much as I love this article, I would only suggest to these guys to take a deep breath to try to come in contact with their adult critical thinking self and eliminate this this word conspiracy as a derogatory phase toward people who are curious or have questions. Because the fact is, it's not a breeding ground for conspiracies. It is a breeding ground for this stuff to actually happen. The only conspiracy going on here is a conspiracy of these deep state actors to defraud the rest of us, out, number one, out of tax dollars, number two, out of knowledge, and number three, out of our freedom. That's the conspiracy. We're not the conspiracy theorists, okay? We are the conspiracy observationists. We're just seeing it happen in real time. That doesn't make us crazy. It goes on, it says, In truth, USAPs or waived USAPs, like anything else that lacks accessibly verifiable fact, is likely very mythicized. Okay, there you go. They're trying to minimize it. 
Two or three trillion dollars missing? Well, don't worry about it. It's mythicized. All that money went into secret projects that were not being told what they're about. Don't worry about it. Go back to sleep. It's mythicized. With that said, like any good myth, there's some truth and historical precedent that give legitimate reasons to be concerned with these deeply hidden programs. Okay, there you go. They're creating a tiny little limited hangout right here in this sentence. Like any good myth, there's some truth. Well, I suppose there's just there is some truth, but I don't have to worry about it because it's not enough to hurt me. Yeah, you're camping. You're in a tent. There's a giant wolfing sound outdoors. And you think it's either a pack of wolves or a grizzly bear. Well, the wolves probably won't eat me, so I should be okay. No, grow up. With that in mind, let's take a quick journey back to the non-distant past, it says, to a time that shows spatial access programs have and can operate in a manner opposed to public interest. Oh, you don't say. In 1983, an arbitrary internal audit turned up enormous inconsistencies in unacknowledged covert SAP being run out of the newly formed Spatial Operations Division of the DOD, codenamed Yellow Fruit. The program was established to provide additional operational security and counterintelligence assistance for missions in Central American in Central America. Yellow Fruit was a genuine deep cover USAP with the program's director, former assistant chief of staff of intelligence, Lieutenant Colonel Dale Duncan, outwardly appearing to have retired from the Army to start a private consulting firm called Business Security International. The discovery of financial discrepancies in Yellow Fruit sparked a formal investigation by the FBI. The inquiry into Yellow Fruit would result in Lieutenant, in Lieutenant Colonel Duncan, Special Operations Division Commander Lieutenant Colonel James E. Longhofer, and several other members of the SOD being court-martialed for a hodgepodge of varying crimes. In addition, many never fully proven allegations, such as millions of stolen dollars hidden in Swiss bank accounts, setups of other U.S. military officials with prostitutes and hidden cameras, and even ties to the Iran-Contra affairs still loom over yellow fruit. Well, you don't say. The career military officers allowing their moral compasses to diverge from pointing ethically north is somberly disappointing, it's regrettably far from the unprecedented. Instead, what made Yellow Fruit such a significant turning point and the formative growth of current classified operations came from the embarrassing lack of DOD control and oversight that was revealed. Well, maybe you're letting them off a little easy there. Or maybe the DOD is just out of control and the people that we think control the DOD don't actually control the DOD budget. As the rotting stench of yellow fruit made its way up the military hierarchy, top Army leadership, including Army Chief of Staff John Wickman and his Vice Maxwell Thurman, were stunned. The level of shock conveyed from the Pentagon's leadership was understandable when you consider that in the Dilemma of Covert Action, published by the U.S. Army War College in 1989, it said none of the DoD brass had ever been briefed on the program and literally had no clue that a mere 15-minute drive from the Pentagon tucked away amongst a suite of commercial offices, a multi-million dollar clandestine military operation was being run. Determining exactly what all went on with Project Illafruit can prove to be a rather difficult task. A spare a few newspaper articles from the 1980s, publicly available information is extremely limited. 
With that said, they required CDSE's training course for all persons participating in DOD's SAPs repeatedly mentions Yellow Fruit as being an inspiration for a wave of oversight and controls put in place to stem off the ability for a small group within government to literally go rogue. Oh my gosh, I think I'm going to have to just just pass on all that. A small group to literally go rogue. And so, if you believe that everything was just made right in 1980 from this terrible rogue outfit of the Yellow Fruit people, and that today we can wake up and just not have to worry about that anymore because we live in a world full of, you know, peace, justice, and good intentions. I'm sorry. I can't do that. It goes on here. It says, uh, needless to say, though, a considerable amount of government's covert goings-on are indeed hidden from prying eyes. Substantially more regulations and control have been implemented since the days when Project Yellow Fruit was turning in $56,000 receipts for desk calculators. Okay, I can see here that it looks like the rest of this article is just going to be an apology for the whole notion of these uh, unacknowledged spatial uh, access programs. But I think you got the gist of it. You can see that even this one tiny program where they're doing all these terrible things down in Central America, if that was exposed, that's not an anomaly, I don't believe. To me, that's the tip of the iceberg. And I bring this all up because today um, I was watching one of my favorite YouTubers, Jason Goodman, on his Crowdsource of Truth channel, and he interviewed... uh, um, Dr. Uh, was it David Greer, Greer the, the, the former ER doctor that does all the UFO stuff. And he's got a new, I guess he's got a couple new videos out now. One of them is called um, Spatial or Unacknowledged Spatial Access Programs and then uh, The Cosmic Hoax also. And he has a little different view on, on the, the whole UFO phenomenon. Uh, Dr. Greer believes that everything that we've pretty much uh, seen from the government so far is all uh, either reverse-engineered or uh, black ops stuff. He even thinks that the uh, these you know these uh, terrible abductions where people are uh, abused and assaulted, uh, the cattle mutilations, and that he thinks this is all some sort of deep black ops program uh, designed to instill fear people, instill fear in people, and then at some later date to create a false flag where uh, the Department of Defense has to step in and save us from an alien invasion. And, you know, you, you wonder if it's that simple, but he also uh, really goes in-depth uh, during the interview during, during the interview with, with uh, Jason Goodman talking about these uh, unacknowledged spatial access programs and describing how the government uses these to reverse-engineer stuff, how they, how they use these to... Um, collect uh, data and reports and analysis on the UFO phenomena and to basically keep it away from the American public and control the narrative and, and turn that narrative into a direction that they want it to go. A lot of the stuff he made sense, a lot of the stuff he said made sense, and a lot of the stuff that he said really checks out. I think it's important that we we're, we're, are aware of all this stuff and so that when we are aware of things like unacknowledged spatial access programs that we can we can use that as a context when people are telling us to trust the government for disclosure. And as Dr. Greer says, we don't need the government for disclosure. We can find disclosure on our own. Now, I'm not sure if I'm into the whole thing that he's into or they're trying to 
basically call in UFOs. But the idea of observing UFOs on your own, I think, is probably going to reveal a lot more truth and disclosure uh, in the long run than anything that we're going to get from the Department of Defense. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.